Hey, I'm glad you're here. Lately, I hear a lot about the importance of black voices being amplified, but rarely do I see conservative black voices amplified unless it's through conservative media. At The Deepening Place, it's really important to me that all perspectives feel welcome. And I I truly believe if we can meet in the middle, hear from each other and see each other, we can heal from our current division. My guest today is Lucas the Abstract. I met Lucas on Instagram, and what struck me about him is his joy. We live in such serious times, and people are really overwhelmed with fear. And so I thought it would be good to hear from him and get his perspective and find out why he feels optimistic in these difficult times. Thank you so much for joining, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Deepening Place podcast. I'm very excited today to have Lucas the Abstract as my guest. Hello, Lucas. Hello. Hey, Angela. Hello, everybody. How are you today? I'm doing pretty great, pretty good, in some really good spirits. I'm pretty excited, actually, with everything that's going on. I wanted to give you a second to like introduce yourself and kind of tell people who you are. Yes, thank you. Um, well, yes, uh, my name is Lucas, and I'm an artist. I go by Lucas the Abstract. And for the past several years, I've been based in California, born and raised in Chicago. And I'm also a world traveler. Here in California, it's been pretty much a, a blue state. And I'm in the process mm-hmm. of helping flip California red. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting. I wanted to let my audience know one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. I hear a lot of people saying that we should amplify black voices, but I never hear anybody talking to conservative black people. I think it's really yes. important to let everybody have a voice. And that's, you know, the American way. I met you on Instagram. But the thing that stands out to me about you and, and your friends is the the joy. And I didn't know if that, do you mm-hmm. feel that way? I mean, I feel like you guys are so joyful all the time. Yes. Well, see, that's the, that's one of the things that's so exciting about this movement is we're here out of our passion. You know, when we go to mm-hmm. a Save America rally or a Trump rally, it's because we're happy and passionate about something, you know, and we're passionate to share our voices and to be out there with like-minded people. And that's the difference that you'll see with people like us who attend a a Trump rally is that we're there for something as opposed to on the other side. You see these, quote unquote, protests and riots that are just full of angry people and emotionally uh, disturbed. And they're just out there uh, to be against something. So that's the main difference, Mm -hmm. you know. And, yeah, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned, you know, amplifying uh, black voices but you don't see people amplifying conservative black voices, which is so true. Yes. You know, it seems like on the left, if a black voice is not in alignment with how they feel a black voice should be, then they won't amplify it at all. Yeah. So this might be a good chance for us to say or tell, I don't know this about you. We're just meeting for the first time. I just followed you on Instagram for a while. 
Could you tell me a little bit about, have you been a lifelong conservative or was that later in your life? Or tell us about your journey there. Growing up in Chicago, I would say my parents have always raised my sister, my brother and I to be free thinkers, to think for ourselves. They didn't allow us to watch too much television growing up. You know, we would have to sneak and watch certain TV, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I was always uh, raised to be an independent free thinker. That just so happens now to fall under the category of conservatism. But really, it's a broad umbrella. I like to consider myself um, an autonomous being. You know, I have autonomy of self and thought. And it just so happens that that a lot of my autonomous uh, thoughts are in alignment with conservatism. Most of my life, I've I've had these same values and same beliefs. Okay, so this kind of been a lifelong mm-hmm. journey for you. Now, living in California, definitely. it's definitely presented some challenges because not only do I live in California, uh, I'm an artist as well, an actor, and most of my coworkers, most of the people that I've worked with in the industry, have all been uh, Democrats, um, even to the point even today. You know, um, it's been an interesting experience because I've had people that I've worked with in the industry before and not just worked with people that I have considered friends. You know, we've hung out. I've been over their places. They've been over mine. And now that they are seeing me express myself, they literally are unfriending me, unfollowing me, not even speaking to me anymore. So it's just really interesting because like how you say People want to amplify Black voices, but they only want to amplify the Black voices that are in alignment with the Democratic movement. So now I feel like now more than ever this year, I've been more vocal about it. It's like I can't stand by and be silent anymore. And, you know, I wonder, you have such a unique perspective being a Black man in America. And what I saw, even just scrolling through your Instagram, is you have not only black people against you, but white people as well. And it's kind of for different reasons in a different way, which you get it from both sides. Yes. And I really find it hypocritical for one, because, okay, recently I started wearing my Make America Great Again hat. And I find it interesting that for one, if a black person would have something to say to me about the hat, I would use that opportunity to uh, to relate to them some of the facts that are out there about why I support President Donald Trump and why I would never, ever, ever support Joe Biden or the DNC. Mm-hmm. Um, but when a non-Black person, specifically a white liberal, I find it hypocritical because they don't even realize that they themselves are the racists that they so try to fight against because they're calling me names or insulting me or questioning me just for having my own way of thinking. Because I don't support Joe Biden and never will support Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. some white liberals are calling me or referring to me as an Uncle Tom, you know, which that's racist, number one. And then on top of that, Mm I don't see anything Uncle Tom about thinking for myself and I'm voting for my interest. So no one is in any position to tell me what's what's the best for my interest. I'm the only one who can do that. You know, it's so ironic that 
you actually become the person you say you're standing up against, the racist. And when you tell someone Mm -hmm. that how they should think that's the height of of racist, like what happened Mm -hmm. between 50 Cent and Chelsea Handler, I think that's kind of a, people don't realize how often that happens. Mm -hmm. Telling black people, remember you're black, then you have to act or behave or think this way. Yes. And not only has have we seen it with 50 Cent and Chelsea Handler, but we basically seen it on the national stage with Joe Biden when he was on The Breakfast Club. And he said, if you have to even think about whether you're for me or Trump, which he's basically essentially saying, if you have the audacity to even try to think for yourself and don't just vote for me, then you're not black. Well, as he said it, you ain't black. So I feel like that's really representative of how Democrats see black people. They feel that our vote is owed to them and they don't have to do anything to earn it. You know, um, and Chelsea Handler, I mean, the fact that she would feel comfortable, that's the scary part. This wasn't even in the, the privacy of her own home over the dinner table. She felt comfortable enough to say this on the Jimmy Fallon show. And there you have Jimmy Fallon laughing and cackling like a hyena, a co-signing her statement, basically mm-hmm. going along with it. So well, look at the difference though. So you can have black celebrities come out and support Joe Biden and that's okay. But if a black celebrity comes out in support of Donald Trump, then they get assaulted, insulted, and pretty much canceled. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a real problem. And I think we look at Chelsea Handler and make that judgment on her. But I'm guessing that you experience in your everyday life being dismissed by white people regularly based on your beliefs. Would that be true? You know, it's 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 really interesting. I would say there's a certain duality to it. Right. Because honestly, within mm-hmm. the past several weeks, when I wear my MAGA hat outside, I was actually surprised of the support that I was getting. I expected to receive some controversy or I expected to receive, you know, some animosity. I was ready for it. But in the adverse, it was so much love. Like people were quietly giving me the thumbs up or they'll walk past me and they'll whisper, nice hat. Or, you know, they'll come up to me at the gas station and tell me how brave I am. You know, so I've been getting like silent pat on the back. Thank yeah. you. All the under, and this is from white, black, Latino, um, people from all walks of life, whether I'm in the grocery store, in the park, or at the gas station. People will give me a head nod or a thumbs up, you know, to let me know that, hey, they support yeah. Donald Trump as well. I've even had some uh, white people come up to me and tell me that they wish they can be as brave as me and to wear the hat. And I tell them, I understand, like, you don't want to be labeled a racist. You know, you don't want to lose your job. You don't want to be ostracized from your neighbors or your family. So I do, I do understand. And I mean, what you're saying, that's not an exaggeration, right? The losing your job, the being ostracized from your family, you know, people that's happened to you? Yes, I know people that that's happened to. I have a friend of mine who works in the industry as well. And he was telling me that, that he wishes that he could be more vocal like I could, but he says every time he tries to even express any type of rationale about what Donald Trump is actually doing that he that he agrees with, he says that he's dismissed 
and called all type of coons and Uncle Toms and sellouts. So he just stays quiet. You know, I mean, so I understand it's different for everybody. You know, but for me, I would just be not even living my own truth if I did not speak up. I have heard that conservatives are even afraid to admit that they're they're voting for Trump. Yes. And that's why I feel like you can't believe the polls because the polls are biased, number one. But then you have a lot of the what they call shy voter who simply won't answer the polls correctly because, like, for all the reasons we just mentioned, they don't want to be labeled a racist or they don't want to be fired. So they'll never admit that they support and believe in Donald Trump. They'll just show up at the voting booth and select Donald J. Trump. One thing that you had on your Instagram account, you had mentioned the the 94 crime bill. And is that part of the reason why you you wouldn't consider voting for Joe Biden? Uh, Yes, that is one of the reasons. And that was also one of the main reasons that in 2016, I knew without a doubt that no way possible could Hillary Clinton take the White House. Um, And Mm -hmm. I actually wish that I can get a refund. As I say, I want my money back (laughs) for my vote for Barack Obama because his agenda was the exact same as the other Democratic agendas. You know, so it wasn't until Donald Trump came in as a wild card, as I like to say. And I feel like the DNC is running scared now and they're desperate. So to put Joe Biden up as the Democratic presidential nominee when he wasn't even the best choice in the primaries, it only continues to let people know how corrupt the DNC is and that they're going to put up a basically an empty vessel for the far radical left. And I feel like the main reason why they selected Joe Biden is only because his alignment with um, Barack Obama. And they feel that black people are that shallow that we'll just vote for Joe just by association, just because he was in the White House with Obama. Uh, That's good enough for Black people. You know, so the 94 crime bill is unforgivable. Yeah, I've seen Mm -hmm. some pretty harsh footage of him when he was trying to get it passed. And, you know, a lot of people, whether Black or white, if they come from like Mm -hmm. middle America, they might not understand the consequences of that. Could you just kind of, Summarize, you said it was a really horrible thing. What do you mean by that? How did that affect Black communities? Yes, I I know. Okay, speaking from firsthand, like I'm born and raised in Chicago. Um, I was a child growing up in the 90s, but I remember, and I had family members who's been affected by the uh, crack uh, epidemic and drug abuse. So, what his crime bill did, it literally not figuratively, but literally, it preyed on low-income Black people who were addicted to drugs. Because there were some very specific things in that crime bill that singled out Black people. For example, they made it a much harsher crime if you were caught with possession of crack cocaine than, uh, than actual coke. And for people who may not know, in the 80s and 90s, crack cocaine was a lower, cheaper form of coke that was popular in the black community. So if you were black and got caught with with a one gram of crack, it was three times as punishable than if you got caught with one gram of coke. 
And in addition to that, they put into that 94 crime bill the three strikes law. So the three strikes law, how that worked is no matter the offense. So, for example, if this was your third your third strike and in let's take the year 1998, if you got caught with one gram of marijuana, you were going to prison for the maximum sentence. And that was often 20 plus years. So you had people that were in prison today for a minor marijuana possession charge that have been locked up since the 1990s because it was three strikes, which means they throw away the key. So I feel like that, that so... bill targeted black people and it, it, it showed that, that, that they felt that black people were dispensable because they ripped away black men and mothers from the families. Because when someone goes to prison, you know, it's not just about that person. You know, it affects the entire family. It affects the community. Barack Obama, now he did a few things by making uh, crack cocaine not as punishable as coke. But as far as an entire prison reform, it took Donald Trump to do that. That's monumental right there because you should not be in prison for the possession of uh, marijuana for personal use. When you look at it today, the marijuana industry is a billion dollar industry where people are legally selling marijuana, but yet you have people in prison for selling marijuana. To me, that doesn't make sense. When someone does go to prison, it does not just affect them. It affects the entire family, their kids, the community. You know, so that 94 crime bill was detrimental to the black community. It ripped mothers and fathers out of the homes. And that's when you have a lot of the generation from the 90s and even the 2000s, you have generations of children being raised by grandparents and being raised by aunties and uncles because their parents are in prison for marijuana or minor drug charges. I saw that, you know, the Democrats talk a lot about the prison pipeline, but I don't hear many people mentioning that detrimental crime bill. And it's interesting that they, they have put him up for election, the one that, that authored that. I thought that was an interesting choice, honestly. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's just, the well, scary part, Angela, is that, that's the, the the scary part is they're trying to sweep this under under the rug because not even the 94 crime bill. We can go back to the 60s and the 70s um, when Joe Biden started his career, you know, as a senator. And he spoke about yeah. working very closely with segregationists to specifically to keep black children from going to school with white children. So this has been yeah. like, this is his mindset. This is how he operates. This is his MO. This is not something new. So that's the scary part that the DNC and other Democrats yeah. would just put this man up for election. And it's sad to see people are actually voting for him. Yeah, I have to admit, I, I had heard of the crime bill. I knew of the crime bill. And it wasn't until I did an episode earlier in the year called Weird Wasteland with my co-host Jai, and we talked about kind of what you were talking about in Chicago, but in New Orleans, Louisiana. And he was talking about the effect of the crime bill. So later, earlier in this year, when they're telling young black people, young black men especially, hey, make sure you get out Mm -hmm. and vote. This is going to solve everything. And these guys and girls still have relatives that are in prison from the original crime bill. I don't understand how that's going to make it better. 
Exactly. And see, I feel like I'm glad you spoke on that, Angela, because I feel like this narrative of you have to get out and vote, 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 vote is extremely dangerous because it's dangerous because a misinformed vote is the most dangerous thing that a voter can do. You know, and you have all of these celebrities out there telling people to vote blue no matter who. Literally, you have black celebrities out there telling people with their huge platform to just listen to me and vote blue all the way down. They're not telling people to do your research, you know, and vote in your interest. Vote in what matters to you. Yeah. Look up your local legislation. Look up your the, the, the mayors who are up for office, you know, and you will see that if you look into their agenda, maybe their agendas and policies aren't in alignment with what you believe in. So I feel like a misinformed yeah. vote is dangerous. If if someone is misinformed, then perhaps they should just stay home and not vote until you are informed on what you're voting for. Yeah, because you, you're voting for for someone who might not have your best interest. And to your point of using uneducated, poor Black people for your own agenda, I thought about that during the riots mm -hmm. and all of these celebrities and wealthy white people are in their homes. And I said, the greatest mm -hmm. white privilege is not having to suffer the consequences of your advocacy. You let someone else do that for you. They're the ones that are going to jail. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and yeah, speaking on that, the riots became insane. I think it became clearer and clearer to more average, normal American citizens that these riots have nothing to do with injustice. These riots have nothing to do with Black people even. It has nothing to do with racism. These riots have become a bigger Marxist, communist agenda that the far radical left is uh, incessant on imposing on America. And I feel like more and more Americans are waking up and seeing that how is holding a sign up in the street, how is that affecting a black person's life? So if a, if, if a white person wants to ask me, how can they help me or how can they help the black community or the agenda? I'll tell them the, the one thing that's not going to help is you going out there in a park holding up a sign. That's not how you can help me. If you want to help the black community, then you can invest in ways that will help the black community, such as family, such as economic growth, financial literacy. There's things that can benefit the black community. At the end of the day, I believe black people, black Americans want the same thing as all Americans. We want to raise a family. Of course. We want to be able to send our children to school. We want to be able to own a home in whatever community we want to. We want to be able to travel and do whatever we want to. We want to live like everybody else, right? It's not like, um, you know, it's you, you have to write a, a playbook on how to deal with Black people. Talk to us and treat us like normal people. I think the Democratic Party doesn't realize that you don't have to speak to Black people in song and dance every time. You know, you don't have to get a Black celebrity to, to like, sing in order to like get black people to listen. You don't have to get on stage and do a jig and a dance to get our attention. I, I think that's another problem too, when you, you lead with making people guilty, then they're ashamed, and then they feel like they have to be like your ally. And I, when I meet people like you, you just need to be left <laughs> alone and given your constitutional rights. And you don't, you don't need some <laughs> white you. lady to be your ally. Thank you. It's like... I mean, it, it, 
I mean, it will be great. You know, hey, if people want to be allies, that's great. You know, I feel like I'll never turn away, you know, someone who wants to support. But the thing is, it's like you can't come into a movement and take over and tell us how you're going to help us because it's not your movement. You have to ask us, how can you be of assistance? And you have to be willing to be of assistance. Yeah. So when you were talking earlier, do you lump the Black Lives Matter movement into that or is that separate? Has that been taken over by other things? What do you what is your two cents on that? Well, yes, the Black Lives Matter movement, I've stated before, I've never, ever have gotten down with the Black Lives Matter movement. I saw through it when it completely started four years ago. First, the first thing that got me is the name of it. It just didn't make sense. Like, it's an oxymoron almost. It's like, how are you going to tell me that my life matters? Like, it doesn't make sense. And then to be walking around holding up signs, like you're begging people to value your life. To me, that just doesn't make sense uh, in a way that a human being would operate. That didn't make sense to me. And then when I did further research, Mm -hmm. I actually saw that their agenda was actually anti-Black. Their agenda was anti-Black. They literally wanted to remove the patriarchal family structure as we now know it in Western civilization, which means that they don't want men in the home. They feel that single women and lesbian couples can run homes and they don't want fathers in the home. So I will never agree with that. That's something I can never get behind. And I saw that Black Lives Matter, it had absolutely nothing to do with advancing the lives of Black people. Like they had their own agenda that was funded by George Soros. And when you go to the Black Lives Matter page and try to donate, the donate goes to the Voting Blue campaign. So it goes to the DNC. They have made millions and millions of dollars in donations, and no one can tell me anything about where in the community is this money going? How is this money helping the Black community? It's not. Are we going to rebuild some of those businesses that got burned down with that money? Thank you. Are we going to rebuild some of those businesses? Are we going to actually um, petition the, the cities with these monies to fix the the, the, uh, the uh, streets? Are we going to build more parks in these communities, build more community centers? Are we going to build, uh, have uh, financial literacy programs? Are we going to uh, build more daycares and after school programs? Are we going to offer um, adults the opportunity to go to night school or to go to um, school on the weekends to finish their education. It's like literally there are so many things that's that can be listed that can help the black agenda. And I feel like BLM is completely anti-black. It's anti-American as well. And they're a Marxist group. And I feel like sooner or later, um, people are going to realize that the Black Lives Matter movement needs to be shut down. I haven't done the research that, that you're saying that you've done, but it, it made me a little suspicious when I see white people attacking black people and yelling black lives matter. And I've seen that over and over and over. If you're a conservative black person and you encounter black lives matter people, you know, white black lives matter people, you can be in the name of black lives matter. Somehow it's OK to be racist. Exactly. And that's the hypocrisy of it all, Angela. Like it's it's blatant hypocrisy right in front of our faces. But yet you have these 
fake news stations like CNN that will show coverage of a Black Lives Matter movement and want to call it peaceful protesting when these people are domestic terrorists, right? They're out there destroying property in the name of hate. They're out there destroying businesses and actually killing people in the name of hate. And it just doesn't make sense because if Black lives really mattered, then how are you going to focus on only one sector of Black lives that are taken, which is not even a main concern? If I had to go down the list of the top 10 things that affect the Black community in 2020, police brutality would not be on that list. So it's it's completely insane that here you have a whole movement coming into my community telling me that I'm oppressed and telling me that my life matters and telling me that they're going to help me from getting killed by the police. That is insane. It's like, you're not welcomed here. Black Lives Matter. I don't need you in my community. You don't know what you're doing. You're not for me. So I will never be in alignment with them. They're actually making it harder for black people. You know, I I feel like as a society, we've done like I'm a good bit older than you, we had done a lot of work in allowing people to be who they are. I'm not saying it was perfect, but I would move around mm-hmm. in towns and I wouldn't notice that that person's black. But with this new movement, now I'm always, okay, am I going to offend somebody? I'm on my toes, just trying not to say the wrong thing. So it's making us more aware of our differences. Yes. The DNC has a lot to do with that. They're so focused on race to where it's literally become, if if you don't agree with me, you're a racist. If you don't agree with my ideology, then you're a racist. And I feel like it's an extremely divisive and dangerous message. I mean, even the speech that we just saw that Michelle Obama gave, the last speech that she gave, it was full of divisiveness, full of hate, full of lies, and full of race baiting. I mean, I could not believe it that it's like, and these are rich, rich people. They're telling everybody else how racist America is. And this is the same place that allowed them to be rich. It's the same place that allowed her husband to become president. And yet she's out here spreading the message of hate based on race. And it's it's just a dangerous message. It's a dangerous message. You have celebrities out here like LeBron James telling the message that black people are afraid to go out of their homes because we're being hunted by the police. That's a lie. That's a fabrication. That's a myth. That's a a, a story. Like that is not the average uh, walk of black Americans lives. You have to do a lot of research in order to, to stay on top of things. But I think that message from Michelle Obama, I can't imagine anybody could take that seriously unless they only watch mainstream media such as CNN or MSNBC, it was so obviously not true in some parts. I feel like if somebody is trying to make you fearful, they're manipulating you. And that's what that speech was to me. Yes. And then when she doubles down and says, mostly peaceful protests, and then she says, really, it's true. They're mostly peaceful. These peaceful protests have been nothing but riots and domestic terrorism. There has been nothing peaceful about these protests. (laughs) yeah on your instagram you were doing some spots called perspectives and i think that's one thing that i really try to do too is to invite people on the deepening place that have different perspectives because i'm not sure that there are certain people that would ever 
hear from a black conservative man if it weren't for independent people who invite you on like the podcast for an interview. So I I really appreciate you coming and sharing your perspective Mm -hmm. with me today. Thank you. Um, And yes, the perspective things, uh, I started that because I felt that, yeah, I felt it was important to get another perspective out there. And now I'm on a mission and I'm going about it in phases. Um, As I told one of my friends, I like to say that right now I'm in my Harriet Tubman phase to uh, rescue as many uh, misinformed Black people from the Democratic plantation as possible. That's that's the first phase. And then after they've been rescued from the plantation, now they have a choice on where do you go after you're off now? After you're freed from the plantation, where do you go? Um, do you go independent? Do you, you have a lot of options. You know, you don't have to just jump on the Trump train. You know, you have options other than being a Democrat. And that's what I want Black people to see is that you don't have to vote Democrat just because your mother and your father and your grandmother and aunties and uncles have voted Democrat. You can look at your options and choose what's in your best interest. I love that you said that. And it sounds like to me, you're being intellectually honest in a way. You're being congruent across. You're not trying to tell someone what to do. You're trying to get more and more people to be free thinkers and think for themselves and do their own research, it sounds like. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Because I tell people all the time, don't even just don't take my word for it. We we basically live in a day and age where we walk around with a computer in our pocket. So there's no excuse of why you can't get the information. You know, and I tell people all the time, being a free thinker is free. So that's what I encourage people is to come to your own conclusions. I know that our Time is getting short, but I can't let you get away without telling me a little bit about an event you went to yesterday called Magaween. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, my God. It was so amazing. Okay, because just so coincidentally, Halloween was yesterday, which falls on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And every Saturday. Yeah, every Saturday in Beverly Hills for the past several months, we've had a Save America uh, rally in support of Donald Trump. And each week it's gotten larger and larger. So yesterday had to have been the biggest turnout ever. I mean, I'm telling you, Angela, this was like at probably 10 to 15,000 people. It was so amazing. <laughs> I was telling people that this actually gave me my festival fix. Right. Um, My sister and I, we love to like travel to go to different um, uh, festivals. And since the coronavirus hit, we haven't been able to go to any festivals. Like everything has been canceled. So this literally felt like a a, a Trump festival. I called it Trump Cella or MAGA Fest. (laughs) It was so amazing. People that are Uh don't know about that or maybe didn't see anybody or don't follow anyone on Instagram that might have participated. When you tell them you went to a Trump festival with 10,000 people, they're going to assume that it's a bunch of rednecks. I don't know how that would happen in Beverly Hills, but can you tell us a little bit about the population? What were you seeing there? Yes, there are so many diverse people there. Actually, you know what, Angela? Every group of people that the media says Donald Trump hates was there to represent. You had not just one or two or seven or, or eight or a dozen I mean, you had actual groups of people, tribes of people, and they actually 
came from all over the country. I literally met people who flew out here from Boston and flew out here from Texas and Chicago wow. literally just for this weekend. And they're and, and they're leaving back on a plane today or, or Monday. You know, I met a group of people, wow. uh, Filipinos for Trump. They had uh, Latinos for Trump. They even had Asians for Trump. They had LGBT for Trump. There was a whole booth with the LGBT center and you had drag queens there. You had um, uh, people that were uh, active in the LGBT um, community uh, for their philanthropy work. They were there all representing Donald Trump. I mean, it was so many different people there. You, you had a, a group of Africans there. You had a group of um, people who were, uh, I met a lady who told me that she was from uh, Armenia, you know, and she told me that even though she can't vote, that she supports Donald Trump. And that's why she's here. I saw a group of Asian people that were senior citizens, you know, at least 70 years old. And they were all out there with their Donald Trump stickers, hats. I mean, it was just a lovely feeling. You had people barbecuing, vendors, live bands. It was all festive and love. It was so amazing. And you felt you felt perfectly accepted by by everyone and Oh yes. Like I I felt I felt at home. Like literally, I, it was so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it sounds awesome. You know, nobody knows for sure how it's going to go. Um, I've been saying for a while, I feel like Donald Trump's going to win in a landslide because people aren't allowed to say, it's not politically correct to even say you're going to vote for him. And I think that kind of skews it just like it did in 2016. So it wouldn't be a surprise to me if, if he did pull it off in a big way. I would love to have mm -hmm. you back again after and maybe talk about next steps because I feel like where we are right now, we're so divided. And how do we bring the country back together? Yes. I'd love to have that conversation with you. Yes, that would be a great conversation to have. I think that's something that we need to address on the other side of this. So whenever you would be uh, game to uh, have me on again, uh, just say the word. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Um, we can maybe brainstorm and come up with some ideas. Do you, Can you tell yes. people if they want to contact you, where they can get in touch with you or maybe to follow you on Instagram? Yes. Um, at the moment, Instagram is the only platform that I'm using. And I was recently banned from Twitter, like literally Twitter banned me. And I'm going through an appeal process um, for that. But right now, Instagram is my main form of communication. And you can find me at Lucas the Abstract. That's Lucas underscore the underscore abstract. I really appreciate you being here and sharing your perspective. I have really enjoyed getting to know you a little better today. Thank you. And likewise, this was amazing. Take care. And um, I'll be talking to you Thank soon. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Goodbye, everybody.